0: Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we are talking about Season 1, Episode 10, titled Marco. It's the season finale. Yeah, it is. Uh, At the end of this thing, I want to talk about what we thought about the season as a whole. And I've got the email organized thusly. Perfect. Because I I don't think we're going to do a wrap-up cast on this. I don't think so either. Our, Our schedule is such that it doesn't make sense, and I don't... I don't know how much I really have to say about it. I feel like that we did get, I think a lot of people were anticipating
1: because weren't we kind of flip-flopping on that last week? Yeah. Because there's some people sent in deliberate like season wrap-up thoughts. And I, th- I feel like we covered most of the ground. Sure. So, um, yeah. And it's also weird that this is kind of... I don't know what you thought about the episode, but this is following kind of the wire slash the Game of Thrones pattern that the penultimate episode is the hammer. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying that this isn't a good episode. By
0: comparison, it was uneventful.
1: It's more of a epilogue uh, and a bridge to next season than it was a climax.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I, I felt that going into or going into like the final scene, I guess, where. Sure. He pulls into the parking lot. I was like, "Man, this doesn't feel like much of a finale to me." Uh I like the note they went out on though. I was surprised. I feel like that they might have painted themselves into a bit of
1: a corner there. Um uh, and I'm wondering mm. if they're going to if they think about walking that back next season mm-hmm. because it's hard to see how Jimmy pivots his stance here. I mean, it it's uh I can't remember who said it, but it's like he drove into Mike's troll booth. Jimmy and he left Saul. Yeah, definitely. And if he if that's true, then it is going to be interesting how he works with, you know, Kim and his brother and the Oh yeah. upgraded to washed asshole status Hamlin. <laughs> how those guys be beca- still <laughs> At remain At the very part of their least,
0: life. yeah, he's washed now. I want to talk about him uh later on in significant scenes.
1: But yeah, um it's it's going to be kind of hard for them to stay in his sphere of influence or his world. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking we're beautifully set up for him to be kind of running a high scale. A lot of things surprised me, yeah. Like, yeah. I thought Nacho was going to pop up and ruin the thing <laughs> at the last scene. Him just deciding on his own was a, an interesting choice. Sure. We'll talk about it more when we Just broadly speaking, did you like the finale? Because I, I liked it a lot more than it looks like a lot of people on Facebook and the forums did. A lot of people were throwing around words like disappointing, let down, which again i understand since 109 i think is is un- inarguably a better more emotionally yes. resonant episode
0: absolutely 100% but i
1: thought this was still a good episode
0: it it is a good episode. It's not a. It's definitely not a bad episode. And as far as episodes of TV go, uh-huh. I I still prefer watching this over most other things on TV right now. Okay, um, that's not a very high bar for you, because
1: <laughs> sure, because essentially sure. the stuff we don't cover is the bar, or the, the stuff we cover is your kind of like TV watching and everything else.
0: Yeah, but you know me. I'm I'm. You're in Anthony it Bourdaining the, it. And... I'm in it for the entertainment too. So yeah, yeah. it's like there's stuff like Mad Men on right now, which. I love, but mm-hmm. it's not nearly as entertaining. Oh, as I Better see cast what you're saying. Saw, okay. Better cast uh, but as far as like comparing this to last episode, yeah, I think this was less of an episode than last episode was. Mm-hmm. You you threw all your punches and you're kind of winded in this last episode. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I'm not to say I'm down on it. I think it was good, but yeah, not as good. Anyway, why don't you uh, tell us who made this one? Written and directed by Peter Gould. Then That's you have
1: surprising. to look it up. Yeah, the the ghoul himself, which uh, I think it was a conversation I had in Shane where he kind of chided us for maybe overemphasing, emphasis, emphasizing, God, I can't talk. <laughs> putting too much emphasis. Uh, Porky pigged uh-huh. it. All right. uh, re Reconjugated that fucking verb. Um, I, uh, uh, the the Villigan's role because of our affection for him in Breaking Bad, that, that you know him and 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 Gould, are kind of like co-creators, and maybe even Gould is in the driver's seat. Uh, you know, he On got Breaking Bad or this? No, no, no. Okay, On Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I, uh, I think I, it's telling that like a lot of the showrunner interviews going around the internet uh, are of the Gould himself. So
0: I mean, I've talked about in the past how Vince Gillian had said that he was going to step aside after season one. Yeah, but I think completely it, I, leave I, it to him. Think I think by branding
1: it the Villa Gang.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it kind of somehow shorts, I, I don't know, it's like Well, he is the ringleader for Breaking Bad and I, I get that that's changing a little bit here sure. as it transitions away from him, but I yeah, I I don't know, in, in my mind certainly Peter Gould is a big part of this uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just don't Maybe I, wouldn't I want to disrespect the, the man because
1: he's he's awesome Um, yeah. and plus there's not a really good uh, equivalent ghoul gang I mean, the, yeah. the villa gang just sounds right Sure,
0: I'm with you Okay. Um. Let's start with the recap. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Let's do that. Okay. Uh. Marco is sitting in a bar, and we know him from the first episode. He's butthole man. <laughs> he is butthole man. Yeah. He smoke on the water man. Mm-hmm. Uh. He's he does a a bar trick and wins twenty bucks, which I don't. I don't even know if that works or if that's just an effect. I but I suspect it works. I would like works. to try it.
1: It it seemed like it was a similar principle to the um. You know, jerking a well, I gotta watch where I go here. The tablecloth jerking yeah. a tablecloth out from an, underneath a set table. Yeah, like if it's all about how you snap it to mm-hmm. overcome that surface friction,
0: right, Maybe we'll try it on a lunch with Jim and around here, but ooh, occasionally that's a drink good beer. idea.
1: That's a good idea. Hell, I got a beer bottle right there. I got uh, a coin. <laughs> I probably have 20 bucks in my pocket.
0: J- Jimmy comes in, he tells Marco, Hey, I'm moving to Albuquerque. Who and Marco thinks it's in Mexico for some reason. <laughs> uh, and he's gonna go work in the mailroom at Chuck's law firm. And Marco is not pleased with that, tries to convince him to have one last scam fling before he leaves. I was intrigued by the tar money scam. Tar money,
1: yeah, it's there's a, a whole lot of scams and a scamtage. That I, th- I thought about looking up and getting into the detail, and I thought, ah, that might not be that interesting. But there was the one in particular, and that's where they've got a. It looks like a case full of money that might have been smoke damaged or something. And mm. Jimmy wipes it, and it like it's like black paper, and it comes clean, and it looks like a, a twenty dollar bill. Sure. Yep. So I'm wondering if that is the tar money scam, but I'm trying to think how how that all works. I don't know.
0: Well, I think what I got from that little montage is that. The chemical Uh is something that they don't have much of. Like they just have this tiny bit of it. Yeah. So he wipes off the bills. The other bills are obviously not hundred dollar bills. They're ones or fakes or whatever. Right. Um. The pieces of paper doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, And then they sell this whole box of money to the guy for you know a thousand bucks or whatever, and say, "Go get the chemical Hmm. to clean it all off." It's the thing about scams
1: of that type is it always feels like. You know, I guess the Kennedy one's a pretty good example. It it, it takes advantage of... You have to be kind of stupid and very greedy. You do. You have to be an opportunist. Certainly. For <laughs> a... Yeah, exactly. For a scam to work on you. Which, uh, you know, a lot of people wrote in, is like, you know, saying that Marco's a scumbag, this or that. Uh, they're both kind of scumbags. Sure. I mean, they're they're but, scamming...
0: They're lying to people, scamming them out of money. I
1: get it, but there's
0: like... There's a...
1: I think there's a there's a difference between taking advantage of someone at a bar who's kind of maybe a douchebag and an opportunist himself, and you're kind of you're kind of out hustling them, versus like people that cold call elderly people and try to sign them up for services and you know
2: hmm.
1: dazzle hey. them and yeah. confuse them or taking advantage of young people. I mean, there's there's scams and then there's scams. I don't know. Maybe maybe <laughs> I'm incorrect to see some moral flexibility here, but.
0: Yeah, I, they're, not, they're not nice guys. All that conversation I, just to say, tar money scam, WTF. I don't... <laughs> okay. Uh, another WTF in this scene. How does he not get the Miles, Defer- Miles Davis reference? He so, does seem unusually... Like, what are you talking about? Miles Davis gives him up the trumpet. I don't get it.
1: Do you think that his brother is responsible for his being kind of well-watched and well-read? Like he, he lived with uh, hmm. Chuck out there and Chuck is an old-time
0: movie buff... Although, Marco... It wasn't even that. It's just like everybody knows who Miles Davis is, right? I guess. Yeah, you think so. Like everybody knows who he is. The thing is, I guess
1: Jimmy was really distracted, too. I mean, he, was, he did yeah. not want to come in there and say goodbye to his friend, and he was forced to, and he clearly felt, you know, the peer pressure of wanting to stay there and pull off one last time.
0: And you can hear Chuck honking in the background, and it's... Yeah. Yeah. He's he's definitely being rushed out that door.
1: Yeah, so maybe that, because I thought that's, too, he's like, for a guy to drop some mini cult. Uh, pop culture <laughs> references to not get Miles Davis.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we get the the intro here, which is Saul's coffee cup falling to the ground in his office and breaking. And that is that is Saul Goodman's coffee cup, not oh, Jimmy's. Yeah, and one thing I
1: snagged, we, we kind of talked about this last week, and I saw it confirmed in an interview with the uh, Gould and Gilligan, is that uh, they had more or less just had a random collection of just intro stuff, but okay. they selected the last two to fit the theme. Jimmy mm. being pissed on and World's Greatest Lawyer getting shattered, the the thematically appropriate, which I honestly wouldn't mind seeing them extend that to the next season. You know, because that adds, I mean, for a podcast, I felt like they should have, like,
0: inflated the Statue of Liberty on this one or something.
1: Like, this (laughs) is the creation of Saul Goodman, as far as I can tell. that's the other thing. In some of these interviews, I feel like Gould has backed off a little bit about, like, I don't think he's in Saul just yet. Yeah. Which means, I think... Because That's certainly the takeaway I got. I think uh-huh. that there will be a little bit of crab, crab fishing, crab walking away from, from <laughs> the right. conclusion here.
0: Maybe so. Uh, anyway, Jim Jimmy's waiting in the lobby of HHM in present day. all, all that other stuff happened in 92. The I guess, the stuff... yeah, was it Wait. that far back?
1: It's 2002 is present, yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 I think it was 10 years yeah you're right Because he
0: says it's been 10 years or whatever when he comes back in yeah, 2002. yeah yeah sure so it's been a whole decade um anyway Jimmy in present day is sitting in the lobby of HHM when Kim sees him and he comes down she comes down there and speaking sits next of to him.
1: radioactive George O'Keefe hellscapes <laughs> uh-huh. what do you think of that the uh, glowing wall they're sitting in front of glowing wall you didn't notice it no oh yeah it's like where they're having that conversation there's like a panel that covers the stairwell and they it's like an opaque glass that they've lit with an orange light and it just is like they're sitting in front of a fusion reaction maybe it's just my there's... television but it's extremely <laughs> distracting on the two watches i i i gave it yeah my
0: tv's probably so dark i didn't even notice it <laughs> it's uh, like you're
1: wearing sunglasses on this stuff
0: yeah uh, the other thing I did notice in this episode, now that you bring up color, is there's a lot of red around mm. Jimmy and around Margaret. Starting this shit up again, I, are you? You have to. when <laughs> when you, The pedigree of the show demands it, I think. Uh, I don't know what it means. I'm sure there will be people out there speculating. All
1: I know is when they have a wardrobe analysis of this season, uh, there's going to be a four or five episode of just complete white, 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 white for the Matlock era.
0: Sure, and then there's the horrible paisley or whatever sure. shirt he's got on. Then he's got the black. I, I thought his, I thought his
1: funeral outfit was tight. Just uh, yeah, that's how very elegant dressing
0: as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, or men in, or a man in black. Uh-huh. Uh anyway, Kim comes down to sit next to him and he tells her that he's there to take the deal because he found out about Chuck not yep. wanting him there. And then uh she kind of asks him uh or sorry, he asks her why she didn't say anything and she's like, I didn't want you hating your brother, that sort of thing. So, you know, I mean, as much as a uh, stink as you put up about it last episode, that is, in fact, the reason and uh, we kind of we guessed that. No, know? I mean,
1: like I said, I we didn't kind of that I didn't want to pillory her. I just thought it's like it's not the choice I would make, but I sure. respect that that is a choice that people do make.
0: Yeah, Jimmy doesn't seem too bothered by it. I it guess might not be a surprise
1: to people that you know, since uh, a sizable portion of my family disowned me over religious reasons, that I don't put a lot of stock in blood thicker than water or preserving family sure. ties. Yeah, yeah When sure. there's been massive betrayal involved, I'm like, no, fuck all that. Yeah, fuck Chuck in particular. So
0: sure, uh, we have a little bit of
1: interesting perspective. A little, little, on this little one. twerk, a little little bit of heat on my take there.
0: Yeah. uh then jimmy goes up to hamlin's office he gives him he he gives him the case yeah he says okay this is yours and he also gives him a long list of chuck's daily needs yes which hamlin is surprised by yep and jimmy gets some get some money twenty thousand that he was promised yep which is a nice little windfall for him not bad it's it exceeds the
1: illegitimate bribe he got right because that was only fifth or was that 20 I i thought it was 40 it was a 40? Was bribe, yeah. Holy shit. It was a big bribe. No, I think it was twenty because he had fifteen left, I thought, or maybe anyway. Yeah,
0: pretty sure it was forty. Okay. Uh anyway, I, I like here that he apologizes for calling him a pig fucker. He kind of realized the same thing that we realized along the way. Yeah. I mean, Hamlin is not necessarily such a bad guy. Like, I'm I'm still trying to figure him out. How Same bad here. is Hamlin? Same here.
1: Uh, he could just be one of those guys who seems like a douchebag mm-hmm. in just his mannerism. But when you get to know him, he's actually not. I mean, I've worked with a couple of fo- IT folks tend to be kind of just abrasive. And uh, maybe like lawyers, uh, abrasive <laughs> sure. and contentious by nature. But every once in a while, you'll get a guy who seems like just a giant asshole. And mm-hmm. then you talk to him and they're just like, that's their personality. Yeah. Uh, but they actually have no malice. Whereas you also have the passive aggressive type that seem like they're nice. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's that's Hamlin and Chuck, right? Chuck is a uh, guy who looks like a douchebag, mm-hmm. seems like he's got a soul. Chuck is a guy who seems like he's a caring, kind, patient person that's masking kind of an asshole. So yeah, yeah,
0: I I think you're right. Um, it's, well, the the Charlie Hustle thing
1: is what really because like I don't see how anyone can see that as anything but demeaning. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. with Jimmy's background. Sure that presumably Hamlin knows. Like, if if mm-hmm. he if he wasn't a con man at one time, then Charlie Hustle, you know, might be talking about your grit and all that. But, I, you know, it's like, it's Pete Rose's nickname. The disgraced ba- baseball player who can never get in the Hall of Fame because he mm-hmm. bet on baseball games. I and mean, I, I just... It, it's hard to walk that one back for me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. But he could just be oblivious. Uh, he's also... Like, I feel that his comments are somewhat genuine, too. I think Hamlin, when he sees this long list of the things that he's been doing for Chuck every day, uh, he knows the history of Jimmy going out and getting his law degree just by hustling and working nights and weekends, by slaves away in the mailroom. I think he's he's earning some respect from Hamlin here. That
1: moment where he realized all that he's been doing for his brother and the depths of his brother's kind of betrayal... Uh, I thought that was genuine and and well played, and honestly, this Hamlin's been well played by this guy, definitely, because um, he hasn't changed his performance. Mm-hmm. It's just the context that we see it in, and that's kind. I mean, hats off to uh, Villigan and Gould and the actor uh, portraying where I forget his name.
0: Yeah. That, that's pretty good. I, good I know stuff. that I know that Kim pulls some of the strings to get him this job in El Paso, um, but I wonder also how much Hamlin was impressed by Jimmy and decided that, yeah, it's a good idea. I wonder how many strings she really had to pull that's the thing, like, to change his mind. Sure, and that's the thing, how many strings does Kim have
1: to pull? I mean, Hamlin at some I think point has, has to buy into this, and yeah. you know, it's, it's knowing that Kim was saying that like, you know, this is something your brother can't can't get involved in, which yeah. is fair enough, although I wonder. I mean, that would be the ultimate if if uh, Chuck actually called and be like, hey, you know, my brother... And Because I think he could.
2: There's Chuck also, seems like he
1: has enough respect in the legal community that he could call the partners
0: up there and be like, you're making you, a big you mistake. You might be right.
1: Have you ever heard of a Chicago sunroof?
0: I mean, ultimately, <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? He's not taking this job. So yeah, uh, I guess this is all for nothing. But I think you're right about mm-hmm. Chuck maybe being a little bitter. Uh The other thing is, questioning once again how good of a guy Hamlin actually is, I wonder if he could use this list and this long procedure for Chuck to bring Chuck down somehow have him committed um do do something if if he's actually a bad guy at this point I'm I'm leaning toward no Uh I'm leaning toward I don't think Hamlet would do any of that right but I suppose it's possible. It really does make Jimmy, when you, you, you rethink the entire
1: series, look very delusional. <laughs> that he was sure. going in there, you are messing with the fundamental four. And <laughs> this was all Chuck calling the plays 100% of the time. Yeah. So Jimmy was going to bat for a person and taking care of somebody. It, it's It's crazy.
0: So we go to the parking garage and Jimmy is apologizing to Kim for yelling at her. And she asks if he's okay with um, all this stuff with Chuck and his brother. And he's like, yeah, there's nothing I can do to change his feelings. So whatever. Uh, You can tell it's eating at him, though. Yeah. And I thought that
1: it's really interesting how we haven't talked about this since the first two episodes, but the dented uh, trash can. Yeah. How they use that very similarly uh, to the dented uh, hand towel rack for Breaking Bad that it was kind of a touchstone of how we felt about something and now how we feel about something like you know Walt's cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Now Jimmy's, you know, that it's just kind of the constant reminder of all of his failure and and delusions mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting how it was always kind of in the foreground
0: in in a lot of these scenes. Yep. Uh then we go over to the bingo hall and mm. Jimmy is hosting bingo there are a string of bees that come up which caused Jimmy to start thinking about his brother and it just breaks him this performance i thought was something out of a jim carrey comedy the, it's incredible the
1: constant bees and uh-huh. at the one point where he announces it, if we have another bee <laughs>
2: we
0: might have a problem." we might him. have a problem here it's like <laughs> this is a man on the edge yeah.
1: and it was hilarious but by the time he got finished telling the chicago sunders story oh god i thought it was like man this guy it I you know I guess he was running petty scams and stuff but he seemed like he was happy and he I I also uh-huh. still feel like that Jimmy is like a good dude underneath all this stuff but this kind of it shackled him emotionally to this parasite Chuck.
0: Yes and that is I feel a key to why he becomes the person he becomes at the end of this episode and it's
1: not like it's i mean yes he did shit in this guy's car and there were he, children sure. involved he, I,
0: he did some bad things but what he
1: said about how he got railroaded i mean yeah. you know, everyone's heard of a time where it's like you can uh you're drunk and you you pee outside of a bar and oh One it's little Chicago sunroof it, it's hard it's it's hundred yards away from a park it's at three o'clock in the morning but now you're a sex offender because you took your dick out within a hundred <laughs> yards of a park I mean yeah it's yeah. it's it's that's why I guess I'm saying when you know I had this conversation with lawyers about the law being scary yes it is terrifying because it can fucking change your life in a heartbeat without with you being kind of ignorant now I guess the moral yeah. is don't piss in public and and don't don't shit in a sunroof, which I generally subscribe to.
0: Sure. But never done either of those.
1: There's, I don't know. Society's got to figure out a way to make punishments fit the crime. Like, you shouldn't have yes, your life int- ruined by that kind of mistake.
0: Intention is a tough thing, though, right? Yeah. But I'm just saying that, like... After the fact, they can say, well, I didn't mean to show my
1: asshole to these kids. I get it. I get it. But, like, again, should you be labeled a sex offender for the rest of your life because of that? Like, sure. That's fundamentally different that's than, than whipping question. a gun out and shooting someone.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay. You, know? you, you don't get labeled a sex offender for
1: that. You get yeah. labeled a murderer. You know, it depends, yeah, depends how creative you are with the weapon. I guess
0: so. The, I don't want to talk too much about just the things we think are funny or yeah or things like that but i have to say i think maybe one of the funniest lines in this episode if not the season mm-hmm. is the way that he leads from how was i to know that there were kids in the back i i maintained <laughs> yeah. that that tent was illegal yes. that tent line just cracks me up sure, every time sure yeah
1: it's like the the minutia of stuff that that is why you, in particular, think something is unjust or just.
0: <laughs> and the picture he's painting here is yeah. just
1: glorious. And like and again, I had a few. I had a few. Like the, 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 he's got all these
0: excuses and just keeps on building and building and building. And and the way he describes it as just you know a uh, just a simple Chicago sunroof, right? As a, as if that's an everyday occurrence, sure. in Chicago. <laughs> or and Cicero also the, the, or the details
1: he of Chet and what a douchebag. As if that. Is, yeah, ex, you know, the, the bottom line is, is it just that someone's going to get their life ruined if you shit in a car? It's like I'd probably say no, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. all the other stuff is just details. <laughs> I doubt it. too. I'd like to get Chet's side of the story. You know, yeah. that's that's I guess that's what I keep thinking is like, how much of this is Jimmy completely exaggerating? Mm-hmm. But I again, Jimmy feels like he's a good dude. Like he would never do anything more than what he thought would be a harmless prank. I mean, it would mm. probably do several thousand dollars of damage yeah. to a you know, white upholstery, but. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh... Uh, the other thing that has me thinking about is in Breaking Bad, where the BMW pulls up to the gas station. And it's, you know, the guy who's been talking on his phone in the yeah. bank and Walt goes and blows up his car. Right. What if he had just given him a Chicago sunroof there? There you go.
1: There you go. And the other thing that made this work as a comedy is the audience.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, those old people. These
1: old folks in uh, the bingo and just sitting there and... Uh, I they're just, mortified. Yeah, yeah. Plus, just his whole performance as a man on the edge and the little things he does mm-hmm. when he, the bees kept coming. Just
0: so good, <laughs> so good. The one thing I really think they missed that would have capped the scene off very nicely is when he tosses that bingo ball to the guy and he drops the mic and he walks out in frustration... The guy should have yelled bingo oh, at the very end of the scene. Like well, let a beat, and then
1: like, "Yeah, bingo! Yeah, that <laughs> would have been the missed opportunity. That's a missed just opportunity. caps the
0: whole scene off, but okay.
1: And then the whole still no winners. I thought that was kind of an interesting meta, like the thing. Uh, mm. You know, life just keeps giving Jimmy bees,
0: <laughs>
1: and he at each turn is like, have, "Have I, you know, have I arrived yet? Have I won? Have I got something out of this?
0: Nope. Sure didn't. Nothing but melanoma the size of a pineapple." And and it gives us a little more insight into exactly, you know how how he got in the precarious situation he's in with Chuck. Um, You know Chuck came in and bailed him out. We didn't know how he became a sex offender Mm -hmm. uh, or how he was being charged with those things. That's it. Basically, there was a guy who was connected in the mob and leaned on some some law enforcement agents to push this case farther. I didn't know it it was
1: mob. I took it more as a Chicago political machine, which.
0: Could broadly
1: be speaking, maybe mob we, the too.
0: Cicero thing, mm. like Cicero connected to me says mob mm. due to like the Capone stuff and all that. But sure, but I'm you you might be right. I think that's all Not the words, but
1: now it's like I think Chicago politics are just crooked because yes, they're crooked, there's no that's a mob is. behind it. But then again, yeah. I could be I could be uh naive there.
0: All right, Jimmy goes back to.
1: Chicago Cicero I it's hard to tell I'm pretty sure it's Cicero everyone says it's Cicero it, we, I think it's you're always right, been but the, talked about the Cicero. Ferris
0: Bueller stuff confuses me because he spends a day in Chicago sure so m- maybe you know Jimmy just told Kim hey I'm going to Chicago and you know he's actually going to Cicero because yeah. She like, might not know where Cicero is. When I go is, back
1: and... home, I don't say I'm going to visit Greenwood or Greenfield yeah, say or Indianapolis. Greensburg or all the other green, all the fucking green <laughs> shit that we got in Indiana. I say <laughs> I'm going to Indianapolis because no one gives a shit. Yeah. No one gives a shit. If so I said that you, would I would tell you. But like, sure. you know, if I was just talking to some random dude, so.
0: Yep. Um, so he reunites with Marco in this, this same bar here and they catch up. And then Jimmy decides that they should pull a scam on some guy who walks in and they go to work on the half dollar scam. And I'm not going to describe that whole scene. Right. It's just, you know, the half dollar scam. One thing I want
1: to ask you, because I know you this seems to be kind of one of your bugaboos. Did you feel like the lotto or the bingo scene went on too long? The bingo scene? No. I thought it was paced perfectly. Just when I, I started too. to think it was getting tedious, he would do something new with his performance that I thought funny. Or he would add a twist to the story. It's just like, you know... And
0: it was providing a lot of insight into um, what he's thinking and also his history and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's like asking if, um, you know, that's the sequence in Raiders of the Lost Ark from the time they find the Ark to the time it gets loaded on submarine. Did that go on too long? I mean, I don't think so because he got drugged <laughs> behind a truck and he took out a bunch of Nazis and he punched a guy and the guy got chopped up by a... It, it's not... Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's one big scene, but... Shit just keeps piling on top of each other to makes it entertaining. I mean, whereas like the notch, the, some of the stuff in the
0: the desert specifically felt like just
1: eating a big tub of vanilla ice cream, and it's like, yes. okay, enough
0: already. It was it was the same joke a few times, and it wasn't informing us anything about Saul until we get to the part where he talks Tuco out of killing those guys certainly what did you think about the scam scene the Kennedy scam scene did that go on too long oh the montage no uh, no no
1: not the montage uh, that's that's oh, the, the third the half, of half the qu- dollar okay the half dollar one
0: uh i i felt like i enjoyed seeing how their their scams work yeah cuz we I don't know, never the side of of sc- i don't get to see scamming very sure. often
1: it's like matchstick men you know there's a there's yeah. a lot of pleasure in just seeing them run the scams mhm also, I thought it was useful because Marco seemed more like a sycophant, which she is. Yeah. But I never got that he had real skill in this. But I mean, from what I can see, he's kind of up there with Jimmy.
0: He's not just the butthole guy. Yeah. yeah he's not
1: just the butthole guy. He's not as as slick. And there's certain roles like, you know, he's never going to talk anyone to thinking that he's uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. <laughs> maybe he could go with the John Candy oh, uh, before he died. But uh, he could yeah. go
0: with uh, the private eye from <laughs> from Big Lebowski, certainly. Mm, John Goodman. No, no, no. The private eye, the uh, the guy who's looking for the
1: canons. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes.
0: I don't remember his name.
1: Sure. Yeah. Shit. Not, okay. not quite as good as Kevin Costner. Stick with John Goodman. Yeah. Or Wilford Wilford Brimley.
0: Definitely. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't know that we need to talk about. It's just them getting this guy to buy the the half dollar. Sure. And then they go on the scamming spree. Um you know, he got a, a little taste of it and he's back in the life for a brief period, for about yeah. a week. Uh Anything you want to talk about in the
1: scamming spree? No, there's a bunch of them that I, like I said, I started to research some, and, you know, everyone knows about the Nigerian print scheme, right? Sure, but and in 92, the, you
0: got to think, maybe that I might think, have
1: worked. Well, someone on, I think, Facebook or the forums was suggesting maybe he invented the Nigerian scheme. Because I think that was a scheme, and then it got new life through email. Because it's, it's, it's essentially right. a way to just farm marks all day long without even trying. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I don't... And and you know the the Stradivarius scheme seemed mm-hmm. like it's pretty much a just different type of the Rolex slash Kennedy's dollar scheme. But there's yeah. a lot of things like the 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 dirty money. I wasn't sure how that all worked. The hey buddy, can you help me get my wife's car out of a bad neighborhood? <laughs> I mean the blind man asking you if you've. I mean that's that's like I think just a joke. Like could you tell me today's winning numbers, sir? Yeah. And see, I I like. That's an interesting scam because if you fall for it, you are by definition an asshole. Which scam? A blind person coming up to you with a lottery ticket and a copy of today's paper and asking, "What well, can you tell me what today's winning numbers are?" If you, if you, if you, you're essentially scamming a person that you think is blind and helpless. I'm out of their s- winning ticket. You're right.
0: You're definitely so right, like, right about. I that. think I feel like
1: I feel like a scam like that is almost victimless because.
0: Well, I'm, str- I'm also struggling to see how he makes any money off of that. Like, if someone tells him, no, that's not, what is- he's not going to sell him oh, a that's piece a good of point. paper. There's got, I, I, yeah. A useless not... piece of paper. Yeah. Well, I think. It has to, like, match a certain, a certain number of them. Yeah. But how would the blind guy even know? Like, that's the thing. He could just say, no, it matches zero of the numbers. And then, t- here, let me throw that away for you or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And how does he actually make money on that? Yeah. I, I, well, I guess what, what we're not maybe, supposed to know. Maybe Marco comes in and says, "Hey, you're ripping that guy off," and then it's like, uh, "Oh, we're gonna take you to the cops." And it's like, "Okay, it's like maybe we can do work something that make everybody happy." Yep. I bet that's yep. this the punch the punchline of that. I could see that. But yeah, yeah. The help my help me get my wife's car out of a bad neighborhood. Like, what the? <laughs> that's the one I wish I got a little bit more
0: of. Sure. Anyway, so Jimmy wakes up the next morning to a half naked woman accusing him of not being <laughs> Kevin Costner.
1: And thank God, because I was starting to feel like an unwashed asshole for this Kevin Costner business. Should we finally explain that? Thank, yes, I thought we did. On the podcast? Oh, we never did on the podcast. We did on the forums, yeah. So people have been steadily emailing, and some people figured it out, especially on the forums and Facebook. But people have been emailing us like... Love your podcast, but what the fuck is going on with your theme, man? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's different every time. It doesn't match the tone. It doesn't match. Like, I thought you were maybe going for a a, a, a particular feel on something, but what the hell? Mm -hmm. What is in common with every one of these these, uh, uh, intro
0: pieces of music? Kevin Costner. They're all Kevin Costner vehicles. Kevin Costner is in common with all of them, and that was just... And we kind of went in chronological we, order of his career, too. We did. We got a bunch of those in there. Bolt Durham, and, and yep. uh post and Waterworld, all those. And some of them are super obscure. The I, Bodyguard is not super honestly, obscure. Honestly, I thought, that's, every, that's I I thought
1: everybody would get it the week of the Bodyguard, and that seems yeah. to be the lightbulb moment, but surprisingly... Mm-hmm. We 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 played this joke out for a long time with with a lot of people not getting it or not caring to say that they got it.
0: And I think this episode really made it pay off for me. Like yes. I don't if they I, didn't do I, the Kevin Costner thing in this episode, I kind of started feeling like oh that was a big mistake. We yeah, shouldn't have done no, that. yeah, we'll never do that because it was it's a one off thing and Breaking yeah, it's so Bad obscure. like season the middle of the run.
1: We were questioning ourselves. Yeah. And but when that, that played on my couch, I was like, yes! <laughs> Vindication! <laughs> yes, yes. So good. I was Walt punching my steering wheel after I blew up <laughs> Tuco's lab.
0: So her and her friend get dressed and leave, and then Jimmy's checking his messages on the phone, and he has a whole bunch from his elderly clients. Uh, Marco wakes up. He wants to go scam one more time. Jimmy explains to him, I- I'm a lawyer. I got to get back to my clients, all this stuff. Marco convinces him to pull one last scam with the Rolex. Mm-hmm. One scam too many. Yeah.
1: Um, there's a lot of kind of cool things about, you know, oh, you're a lawyer. You must be king of the desert riding around in a white caddy. Yep. Um, but. Which the, we know he
0: eventually does. The, as, the as
1: desperation all. of Marco kind of got to me here. Yes. Like this guy is about to have is one step away from having a complete nervous breakdown about how pathetic his life is yeah
0: I don't need the money I need this yeah and I, I I was trying to figure out if this was him you know being a pathetic guy who needs to go scamming otherwise he doesn't feel good about himself or if he realizes that he might not have much time left if he's thinking oh man I've maybe he's had a heart attack before I not That could
1: be, but I took it as, uh, you know, because when we find him, it's in the middle of the day. He's working for his brother-in-law's company, uh, stand piping, whatever. He's passed out on the bar. He's passed out drunk on a bar stool. That is a very unhappy person. He's essentially, uh, wasn't that what uh, Jimmy said? Like, this stuff is all right for beer money. Mm -hmm. Well, this guy has spent the last 10 years contenting himself with, can I scam tonight's drinks? Yeah. And if I can, then that's a successful night. That's a pretty hollow existence. When Jimmy comes I would in, say so. it's like high Rollerville and everything feels, I mean, it must be a rush to be a con man. Like it's, it's all yes. the, it's all the highs and lows of being a salesman with the element of criminality and danger. And like, you might get your ass kicked. Yeah. More and, adrenaline. And you've got no recourse. So yeah, I could see it being very addictive. Mm hmm. Uh, and, and, and Jimmy is kind of like the better looking, more successful version of Marco. Yeah. And maybe he's even Marco's, uh, you know, like the, the white, the white feather for Dumbo. Like Marco <laughs> okay. is capable of great things, but only when Jimmy's around.
0: Yeah. Now he's pulling $20 beer bottle yeah. scams. It's like yeah. when he was getting, you know, a thousand dollars a night for the Rolex.
1: No, it's like, you know, Laurel and Hardy, um, You know, Jimmy can kind of run his own set because he's a little bit more sophisticated. He's a little bit more charming. He can pass more as a non schlub. Whereas this guy is the kind of, you know, setup guy. You know, he looks like this guy looks like a scammer coming to get you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he makes the thing like the, you know, the Kennedy half dollar work. Yes. Because you would totally buy him as being like, oh, I know a guy who's got a pawn shop and I can, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And it, yeah, Yeah. I think they're a good one, two punch combo.
0: Yep, I'm with you. Uh, we go to the Rolex scam where Marco has a real heart attack and he dies. Uh, not much more to say about that. I did notice something this time that I didn't notice the first time around when they pulled this. The howling is actually the signal that, hey, we're, we're yes. coming, get ready. Yes. I thought that was cool to go back and show this same prank but a different perspective on it.
1: No, honestly, I thought this... The strength of this episode was it made a lot of the stuff that maybe we thought was weak and pro- maybe still is like, I don't know that you can justify a lot of the stuff in the first two episodes, Um, you know, and I, I, I feel like people that are really defending that and saying how great it was. um, it, They were more banking on the promise that it, it did live up to. Yeah, but there was some weaknesses, but. The seeing this and like you know, that time where he sat down to two redhead twins and talked about told them about the legend of slipping Jimmy. Mm-hmm. The fact that they've had that theme that steadily built up into this episode, I felt like was satisfying to me. Me too. And, and if you didn't, I guess, see this as a payoff, an ultimate payoff of some of that slower stuff, then you could be unhappy. But honestly, I, I thought it redeemed a lot of that material. I mean, like I said, the uh, Tuco stuff from the beginning. I think is going to be borderline unwatchable uh, when you go back through it. Yeah. Because w- what Little Charmant has essentially is, isn't it cool to see this character from Breaking Bad? Isn't it cool to see Raymond Cruz chewing the scenery again? All that kind of stuff.
0: I'm with you. That That's going to be less enjoyable to watch than the rest of this season.
1: It's like Norman Reedus came on to Saturday Night Live for a 30-second camo and killed it. Hmm. I do not want to watch that skit five times in a way that I could watch the pilot episode of Breaking Bad Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably once a month the rest of my life, and well, that might be extreme, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, you can. It's yeah. much more rewatchable because it doesn't hinge on a bunch of, you know, hey, 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 do you see that guy? He's Tuco.
0: Yeah. Anyway, speaking of rewatchability, yeah, Ferris Bueller is one of my favorite movies. Really? Yeah, Ferris okay. Bueller's Day Off. Uh, there's there's a line in here where Jimmy, or sorry, not Jimmy, Marco has the heart attack. Jimmy calls up the police. Uh, the emergency line and says hey i'm in an alley by LaSalle and Shermer. Mm-hmm. Shermer is apparently one of the cities that John Hughes e- likes to use a whole lot in his okay. movies as, you know, the the hometowns of the heroes of his movies. Yeah. Um there are some other connections like Shermer the Shermer High School is the high school in Breakfast Club mm-hmm. and the high school that he, in the town he grew up in, is actually on Shermer Street.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, a lot of Shermer references, and when he calls that out in the scene, that is a direct reference to John Hughes, as is the first Bueller stuff, uh, where Kim calls him in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. I think, you know,
1: I was just looking on a map. I assumed Cis- that Cicero was a suburb of
0: Chicago. Mm, it's pretty far away.
1: <laughs> is it? Because I'm seeing that it looks like uh, Cicero is like a... Literally neighborhood of Chicago.
0: Well, Chicago is fucking huge. Um, sure. Chicago is spread way out. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's hard so, to say what is and isn't in Chicago. <laughs> right. No. For uh, me, anyway.
1: Yeah, Cicero is, uh, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's like a 20-minute car ride, but it seems like it's inside what I would consider the loop of Chicago. Not downtown Chicago, but okay. it's even more connected to Chicago than I thought.
0: Hmm. All right. Um Jimmy goes to Marco's funeral and he gets a call. I mean there's not a whole lot to talk about before this call. Just uh one of his buddies, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A guy he must have known tangentially through Marco. Mm-hmm. Uh standing out there and he bumps a cigarette off of him. And then Kim calls up and says, "Hey, this sandpiper case is too big for HHM. We're taking it we're going to share it with the firm in Santa Fe." And they've got a job to offer you in their partner track, mm-hmm. which I guess would eventually lead to a partnership. Sure. Um, and, you know, he thanks her for that opportunity. And Do you think she was – so,
1: you know, a lot of this is meta, but we had a lawyer write in saying that, what, how unimaginably vast the scale of H and m is, especially for a market like Albuquerque – do you yes. think that it was literally too big for H and m or is this a way to make an offer to Jimmy without, well, I mean, the, I don't think Hamlin likes Jimmy enough to split a case with another law firm just to yeah. get the job. I, you're probably right about that. So I think that meta of how huge it is, we kind of have to take that with a, you know, that was more for the ovation of Chuck and less for, look how immense and world conquering H HH&M is. I think you're right. All right. Yeah. Uh, then Chuck criticizes. Oh, yeah, we 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 got a. Uh, did you, you you didn't mention the pinky ring, right? No, I did not. So he, he's that this ring. is not. I mean, it, it's a nice little moment because it's something we definitely see. Saul continues on in the Breaking Bad era, mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool to see the origin story. Did you see Seven Walls review where he uh, no. makes an analogy to like Gollum and the One Ring? Uh, that this is literally, hmm. you know, we've seen a battle for. He, you know, someone got really poetic in this week's episode. He said that this is a story of a bad man that is trying to be good and the universe just refuses to accept it. Like, nope, nope, not buying any of this shit. You must be a bad guy. But he also said that this ring could represent that it's the warring sides of Jimmy, you know, Chuck and the Mm -hmm. law is sacred, and Kim and Hamlin on one side, and then Marco. Yeah. And Nacho and kind of Mike on the other. And, and kind of
0: himself too. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, you know, who is he as a as a blank slate and putting on that yeah. ring symbolizes him giving himself over to the power of the butthole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I think you're right. No, uh, that's Seven Wall, it's Seven Wall right. Alright, I think yeah. he's right, um, to a large degree. That ring certainly factors in. We see him, you know, thumbing it later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's a a defining moment for him. I want
1: to see if they keep this up as, like, a motif, like whenever he's wrestling with his conscience, if he, like, you know, fiddles with his his ring or something.
0: House card style?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. We go back to Chuck, who is criticizing the way that Ernesto is fulfilling his grocery list, and he's passive-aggressively making some changes to it. (laughs) Poor Ernie. Yeah, he's, you know, how many days do you think he's been doing this? It seemed to me like maybe a week. I mean, probably as long as well, Jimmy's we, been gone.
1: Yeah. So, and we know that's been exactly a week, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, in seven days, he's got this. Li- Can you imagine the unmitigated disaster? The first day was. Oh yeah. It's like it's 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 almost it's almost right. You forgot the ice. What am I going to do without ice? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no. I. I it, and it really. I feel like now that we know who Chuck is, that this, I, I'm less willing to yep. write this off as. Um, kind of just uh, what do you call that? Um not erratic behavior um shit. eccentricities yeah that's right eccentric yeah. mm-hmm. It's less eccentric and just him being kind of a dick
0: yeah i'm with you that's come on chuck like Man. i the... mean i and he's like he's just complaining a... about what type of apples he's getting you
1: also just like the fact that he's in there's no gratitude here it's all yeah. i'm entitled to this and
0: i know you're gonna fuck this up again tomorrow so write it down
1: yeah but
0: chuck come on
1: like, uh, this is the kind of shit I expect a personal assistant to, like, Mariah Carey to go through. You're, <laughs> yeah. I, I get you're important to the firm, but goddamn, man.
0: And they've done a brilliant job of, of making me turn a corner on both Chuck and Hamlin this season.
1: Yeah, and not with any kind of weird, uh, you know, uh, usual suspect style recontextualizing. Just, I'm going to give you a new piece of information, and then you can go back and get your mental picture adjusted.
2: Yeah. I, I think I, it's that's been masterful.
1: Rewatching this season is going to be interesting because now I'm going to be—I I can't wait to <laughs> look at the Hamlin scenes, and I can't wait to see the, uh, the yeah. look at
0: the, the Chuck scenes through different eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jimmy's outside. Chuck sees him, and he almost goes out there to talk to Jimmy, but. He's gone before he can.
1: Why was Jimmy doing that? Just to make sure that his brother's being taken care of. I think so. I felt like you it know to he's me. coming
0: back. I think he's going to stop in one last time. See how he is. I don't think it's going to be one last time. Well, if he thought he was moving to El Paso, then mm. I think he probably assumed it was one last time. Not El
1: Paso, Santa Fe,
0: or yeah, wherever. That's true. That's
1: true. Or at least it's going to be a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That tracks.
0: Uh, so Mike gets a call. He's he's out in the troll booth. He's got another job. And Jimmy drives into the lot, and he's a little surprised to see him there. Uh, Jimmy gets out of his car, starts to go inside the courthouse for the meeting with this other firm about the job, but then he turns around. He decides not to go. Instead, he drives up to Mike at the booth and asks him, why didn't we keep the money? Sure. What what were we thinking? Yep. Mike says, you know, I was paid to do a job. I'm going to do the job. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Uh, And then Jimmy vows never to let what stopped him before stop him again. And I want to ask you, what do you think stopped Jimmy before? It seems to me uh,
1: the desire to be the image of what his brother wanted him to be.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, that's what got him out of that life. Um, Even his professional responsibility to his clients is what brought him, you know, away from Cicero and back to New Mexico. That was the impetus. You know, it, it's hard to define because it's a very nebulous. It's kind of like my conscience, I guess. Is my conscience that 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 was was keeping me up?
0: Mm-hmm. I think so.
1: Um, and there again, like I guess that's interesting because the Kettlemans are exactly the kind of mark Jimmy would love to get. It's a guilt-free crime. Yeah. I'm robbing someone who robbed society of this 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 money. Mm-hmm. So, and he was still trying to be good guy Jimmy, and for what? And for what?
0: Just to get betrayed. Nothing in the back. has
1: nothing has changed except for the city's got one point six million dollars that they're going to fucking blow on some stupid thing anyway. They're going to feed the homeless or you know provide food stamps to kids. or like, Sure. Oh, that, but, I, mean, I mean, it's
0: worse <laughs> than that, right? It's I mean, it's not just that he doesn't have this money. It's that the betrayal there. I mean, the betrayal it goes deeper than just uh, a brother not wanting to work with his brother. It's a brother who kind of forced him out of his life into this new life that he didn't want and resents and doesn't like and has now gone and worked directly against him in the pursuits that his brother told him he wanted in the first place like chuck is the one that pushed him into this and now chuck is the one holding him back it's like oh the law is sacred i turned down 1.6 million dollars out of respect for ethics Mm-hmm. Like that's a ter- and try to do what you wanted me to do, but this whole time you've been the thing stopping me. You
1: know, it'd be interesting. I don't know if it'd be interesting. It Might be just a little too coy, but it'd be interesting to see if Chuck could withstand a test of character like that, <laughs> as entitled as he is. Yeah. like if next year he gets the opportunity to pocket a million with no one looking over his shoulder, and he takes that and then goes
0: off to Belize. <laughs> yeah, I still. It would be interesting, definitely, because I, I still do believe that Chuck respects the law. And and that may be the only thing that he's really and super Jimmy does say about. he's a sick man, because
1: that's the other thing mm-hmm. we before we start, you know, uh, uh, hanging the unwashed asshole tag on Chuck. Uh-huh. We don't know what the hell happened to him. That's true. Although it's hard. to It's hard. Man, it's hard to excuse the, the mailroom betrayal.
0: Yeah. No, like, that's I, the
1: thing, like, yeah, maybe his wife left there, maybe all this shit blew up, or maybe he just had a nervous breakdown, whatever. It doesn't seem like he was suffering any on some of the stuff that he he put Jimmy through. You're right. So, but having said that, there's a lot of room for them to kind of fill in the gaps of Chuck and see exactly...
0: I I can't imagine. So, I mean, maybe I could be proven wrong about this, but I can't imagine a scenario in which Chuck chuck's sickness allows him be- to betray his brother in that way that makes it okay no i don't think there's a justification but
1: maybe like well i, I understand because i honestly understand mm-hmm. him going and laying down the law on cicero
0: i kind of like, already understand why he doesn't want jimmy to be a lawyer and to work with him all right there's a because there's jimmy's a, slipping a jimmy at his core about, but yeah. but eventually you've got to let that image of jimmy go right Although, 10 years down the road Yeah, that's a much harder image to keep in your head, and Chuck seems to be able to do it just fine. And also,
1: Chuck doesn't see Jimmy putting, you know, turning down one point six million dollars. All Chuck sees is the billboard scheme.
0: But he's got—I mean, he's got to see every day he's bringing him ice and food, and he's busting his ass in the mailroom and at nights to get a law degree. No, I get none of that changes his mind. Chuck is too focused on who Jimmy was and not enough sure. focused on who Jimmy can be and wants to be. Which has turned
1: it into a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, exactly. You got the chimp with a machine
0: gun now. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting. Mike's, Mike's still on the job. It let us know, you know, Mike's still doing things for this vet. That was not his last job that we saw. So it sets That's up a lot of stuff for him, next season. Yeah.
1: we working a crossword puzzle. Uh, yeah. The other thing that kind of leads credence to the greater Gollum ring theory is that, to my knowledge, uh, Jimmy had didn't know that that's the song Marco was humming when he died.
0: Smoke on the water. Smoke yeah. on
1: the water, and then he pulls out of the parking lot with parking lot, the parking lot with a ring on his finger, uh, humming "Smoke on the Water." Yeah. On the other hand, it's a badass song that
0: sure. people hum from time to time when they're it feeling is. like a
1: badass. So, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, so one other question about this scene, uh, another big question. Yeah. What are... I, I view Jimmy's motivations as probably threefold here mm-hmm. as to why he decides to never never let his brother or his goodwill get in the way of, of himself again. Uh, one of those is Fuck Chuck. I certainly think that's in there. Um, Banana Fana. An, an <laughs> Another one <laughs> is probably... To honor his his dead friend Marco, mm. I, I think there was a certain. There definitely was that. I don't think we have talked about that
1: enough. The death like him of Marco, thumbing that ring, yeah, yeah,
0: at the end, to me says probably the other one is life is too short. Sure, and he doesn't want to get burned over and over again by the people who trust him. So sure. or who he trusts. So he's going to not trust anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also felt like it was a little bit to honor Marco, like. This is who I was. This is who I'm going to be. Uh, Marco is going to be with me through this journey. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Those were the kind of three things that I thought.
1: No, oh, I, I, I totally subscribe to your theory. Okay. I also think that maybe Jimmy's just uh, very impressionable uh, by peer pressure because there's also the element of I feel like when Marco's going on and on about like, Oh my God, you got a law degree. Well, I mean, you can really run scams and you can really make the big bank. And it's true. Like, ah, I'm, this is a different idea. You know, there's the idea of what kind of lawyer Chuck wants him to be. And there's the idea of what kind of lawyer you can be, you know? Uh, okay. You don't yeah. want, do you want to be Matlock or do you want to be Levy from the wire? <laughs> you know, right. with the briefcase and the shotgun, mm-hmm. we, we, uh, and I again, it's like this feel. This felt so definitive of a change. It's going to be. I, I and I'm never going to say never. Now that I've seen this first season, and I I was naysaying and nervous and all this, and this has been a really great for, first season. We'll be talking about towards the end of the cast about how great and how it stacks against everything else. But I am. That's one thing I'm very curious about. How are they going to keep the essential dichotomy of his good versus evil nature, which was that's kind of what drove the Breaking Bad train, too. Oh, definitely. You know... With, with Walt. How yeah. are they going to keep that alive when he's made a definitive, you know... Yeah, the rest of this turn. series can't just be
0: Saul Scammon.
1: True. But the, they did the, a lot of that... They, I mean, they did a lot of that stuff with, with, Saul, with Walt and it's kind of a cycle and it was a further descent every single time. So I guess it's probably naive of us to think that, oh, it's going to be white caddies and cheap suits and Lady Liberties next season.
0: No, definitely not. There's a
1: couple more sp- downward spirals that you got to go through.
0: One of those big spirals is going to have to be with Kim. Yeah. It's going to have to be. I mean, his new life is not going to sit well with her at all.
1: Well, not only that, she stuck her nose out yes. and went on and a he, l- And he just Stuck total- her neck, rather. And yeah, just totally blew it off. Yeah. And it surprised me because I thought... I thought was going to be interesting, um, and this is my pet theory, that his original sin with this stuff with uh, Tuco and Nacho, you know, Nacho's going to be inside the door waiting for him. I don't know how or why he would be there, (laughs) Uh but, like, you know, he gets waylaid, and he can't make the meeting, and he can't tell Kim why, and that's going to be a huge stressor. Him just blowing off the meeting and be like, fuck it. It's even better. That is a... Fuck you, and I guess it's he a can, choice he made, right? It's it's also stuff that he could probably talk to Kim and smooth it over. Like, look, my I went to Cicero, I saw like an old buddy of mine from my youth, and he died, and and then this on top of Chuck, I just you know I just lost my mind.
0: I mean, he can smooth that over, but when she sees what he's going to become, yes, that's where it's going to get difficult. Yes, but I, I think the it's relationship is going to strain. To start, like
1: instead of a slow slip, he just. Blows her off and embarrasses her professionally. uh, That's, (laughs) you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going back to the cornfield. It does feel like they painted themselves in the corner. And I know that that's something that Vince has said before he enjoys doing putting them in situations that he has no idea how they're going to get at and relying on ingenuity of, of the team. And presumably Gould feels the same way.
0: I don't feel like this is a corner. I feel like this is a dead end. For him and Kim, like I, it can't be, I think though. this there's, is there's, going to be the destruction of the relationship, not something that he has to overcome to make it all roses again. Like in a like a Skyler White type destruction of relationship, because the thing that
1: I, it feels like they built spent way too much time building up their relationship, and even. You know when he got that hug and he's like, "Oh, that was nice." I mean, they've they they spent way too
0: much time building up this relationship yeah. <laughs> to make it
1: a dead end.
0: Maybe it's not going to happen immediately. No, I see what you're saying. But but I, this doesn't go. They, they don't live happily ever after. Is my point? No. Well, and yeah. This is the is definitely the beginning of that. When Saul makes the conscious decision to be yeah. a bad person, I think. Yeah. I mean. I, and I don't know that he's making... Okay, there's the distinction, right? There's Mike's distinction of being a bad person or a sure. good person and breaking the law. Two separate things. I don't think Saul is a bad person or Jimmy is a bad person, necessarily. But he will be. But he has certainly made the decision to start breaking and bending the law.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of the same conversation with Breaking Bad. Where When did Walt break bad? You know? Sure. Uh, <laughs> this is perhaps the turning down Gretchen and Elliot... Uh, working at the, uh, you know, legitimately taking care of your the problems that got you into this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is might be the tip of that, or like you know where a, a a reasonable person can say yes, this is where he broke bad. Yeah, I don't know that I'm super interested in tracking that the way we did with Breaking Bad.
0: We kind of have been though. Just I know
1: tangentially through know. our discussions, but it's like I I don't know what people listen to podcasts think, but when I think like oh spending three seasons doing this, I'm like ugh. Like I, that's not v- super interesting, or it's 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 interesting, you. but we've done it already. We have, and I feel like at some point the other guys making this shit have to feel that way too. That like they have it's, it's cannot be just a tamer retelling of Breaking Bad, and it hasn't been that way so far. It's been a kind yeah. of its own. Um, you know, it's like weirdly <laughs> Breaking Bad was a good man resisting mm-hmm. the temptation to be bad and failing. This is a good. A bad man that's resisting the temptation to be good and succeeding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is an inherently more It's the chiral tale. form. It's the chiral form <laughs> you're, of you're Breaking absolutely Bad. absolutely right. This is chiral Breaking <laughs> Bad. Uh,
0: one other thing. I was, I was talking with my girlfriend while we were kind of simul-watching this across the internet. Sure. Uh and she mentioned something about the bingo scene that I mm-hmm. hadn't picked up on, which I thought was really interesting. Is how the balls in the bingo machine mm-hmm. sound like boiling water, mm-hmm. and they start getting louder and louder yeah. through the episode. And you can kind of feel what's going on in Saul's head as he's. Is that a about callback too, to stuff. him
1: being stuck in that with that boiler in his small office? That this is another pressure cooker situation. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think so. And That's it Good for the stuff.
1: episode. All right. Before we get to feedback, as is Bald Move tradition, we got to pay some bills because they're not going to pay themselves. Can't, don't have any kettle to extort for twenty dollars slash $40,000. We are a, a, a listener-based uh, independent podcast network that's primar- primarily backed by you, the listener, um, whether you use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or club.baldmove.com, which is what I want to talk to you about today. Because I think you get a great value for your money. First of all, you don't you can skip our ads with their ad-free feeds. That's mm-hmm. got to be a plus, right?
0: I'm working on getting those in separate feeds, too. So For those of you that want gonna, it. Going to be enhanced very soon.
1: Yeah. You get to watch us record the podcast live, which gets them out a couple hours early, which is super significant on, like, Instant Cast and stuff like that. And uh, you get access to a VIP section on the forums at Uh You get... Access to Lunch with Jim and Aaron, where you can hang out with us on Fridays and ask us questions and watch us do goofy stuff and have goofy conversations. A lot more. And the other thing is, this is just going to get better. We're going to keep piling on features and and adding new things to the website and new pieces of content. And most importantly, it helps us make the podcast, because without your support, we could not do this. And man, I don't want to be in a position where I have to make a tough decision about Whether I want to do Walking Dead or Better Call Saul or Mad Men or Game of Thrones next year, I would love to keep doing what I'm doing, which is be able to do everything for everyone. Mm -hmm. The only way I can do that is if you help us out. Go to club.baldmove.com, check out the pitch, see some examples of all the great content, and if you can spare uh, as low as a dollar a month, you can help keep Bald Move humming along. And again... Thanks for coming with us on this first season. Thanks to everyone who has supported us through the club and will continue to do so. And uh, just can't say enough about how grateful I am that you guys allow us to do this this uh, awesome job. Shall we do feedback? Yeah. Uh, I've got this segment and in roughly three strata, uh, some takes on Pimento, which I thought were unusually strong since it was an ah. unusually strong episode. So mm-hmm. haven't done this a lot, but we're going back. Then we got some current episode thoughts. Then we got some wrap-up thoughts. Uh, Strata the First, Charlie O. said, You ask who Lalo, whom Saul referred to in the desert in Breaking Bad, was. Spanish name abbreviations can be a bit unusual, but I'm pretty sure, even if they didn't intend it when they wrote the uh, Breaking Bad episode, is that Lalo is Don Eladio. Eladio can be abbreviated, abbreviated to Leo, uh, how, yeah, it gotta mm. be Layo. But given Saul's lousy Spanish, I'll give him a slip or two. Do you think this is?
2: Hmm.
0: I mean, we know that Tucos connected, so by definition, yeah, Nacho is. I mean, I, I, by admission, the the listener is stretching a bit, but only a bit. Yeah. And I, I kind of think that might be right. Like sure. I could totally see Don Eladio being a big part of maybe even the end of season two. I wouldn't mind seeing the character. And we know that he was, this was, you know, it, nah, it felt like he three. Was, he, he mm. feels like a season three character given the chain of connections that have to happen through Gus and all that. I can't remember if we got feedback on this. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Um,
1: Cause sometimes when I do all my reading, it re- runs together. Did you think Ernesto uh, slash Ernie was a conscious homage to Gus Fring, a foreshadowing? Hmm because they bear a I'd, kind of I didn't pick up on it but maybe. they bear kind of a physical resemblance the precision and dress and like the posture and uh just the kind of genteelness. I I I, I didn't see that go, well, going into it but when I, yeah, read, I didn't either. when I when I read a few reviews and I saw you know I think as Sevenwell said he thought it was kind of an obvious homage when I went back and saw it the second time I'm like oh yeah hmm. maybe if he was wearing a yellow shirt I would have
0: made that connection
1: in khakis. Yeah. Gould didn't deny it either in his interview.
0: <laughs> so it must be true. It must
1: be true. Uh, Reginald, two things I would have liked to seen differently. It would have been one. It would have been nice to have been kept in the dark as long as Jimmy was. And remember, this is for Pimento. That way we could have fed all of his rage, shock, and abandonment as he was feeling them when he interacted with Howard and Kim. But by showing us Chuck making that call, there was little suspense. We just went through the episode saying, poor, poor Jimmy. He's being played by his brother.
0: What do you think of that? Not totally. Um, the call was a little more, uh, I guess, innocuous than than he's giving it credit for. I, he's saying, oh, it spelled it all out right there on the sure, screen. Sure, sure. I don't think that's true. I think a reasonably
1: sharp viewer knew something was up.
0: It's definitely you thought something was up, but I wasn't, at least me personally, I wasn't sure exactly what was happening. Yeah,
1: and it's this is my relationship with spoilers. Like, very mm-hmm. rarely do spoilers ruin things for me because, yes... I was robbed of the, you know, kind of visceral thrill of seeing something unfold for the first time. But knowing it's coming, I can see some of the nuances that first time viewers would miss um, and appreciate it that way. So, yes, we do miss out on the I am in Jimmy's v- shoes and like a first person perspective, mm-hmm. but we also lost the kind of seeing this tragic inevitability and the. Hmm. You know, it made the scene with him and Kim much more painful Yeah, knowing that he is upbraiding her because if if we didn't have the phone scene, it's entirely then Kim's character to kind of be this. Uh, I don't know what you'd call that, like Benedict Arnold, it kind of be like her. It's kind of like her to carry HH&M's water. Definitely. So, you know, but but by knowing that he is so wrong and she is trying to spare him pain, it makes uh-huh. that scene more poignant. So it's kind of like tomato tomato
0: yeah, six things, of one half dozen the other I, I don't know maybe i'm just not good at reading plot devices or what but it seems to me the things that give away intentions and and what's going to happen next is the performance of performances of really good actors mm-hmm. and i think like i mean the the scene where chuck is confronted with his brother's law degree mm-hmm. told me right away that he was not comfortable with that and then the scene where they're having the meeting with Hamlin and Jimmy wants to be a partner in the, in Pimento. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck's performance there told me that he doesn't want him to be partner. Yeah, like I could tell just by the looks that Hamlin was giving Chuck, uh, the way Chuck was reacting, that that was what was going on. It wasn't the phone just call the that phone gave it away call. for me. It was the performances. Okay, and I a lot of shows don't you don't get that from sure. I mean, this is there. There are some exceptional actors in here. Uh, two, Howard makes such a good villain. They should have kept him as
1: one. His patronizing air is just a finely crafted mask. (laughs) His real personality was seen when he sneered at Kim about not needing her opinion, but then to stop her and reveal that it was all Chuck's idea makes him a sympathetic figure. Poor Howard. Mm -hmm. He did the dirty work for Chuck by telling Jimmy he wouldn't be hired when he first became a lawyer. Poor Howard. He has to play the part of the bad guy and take Jimmy's case away at the behest of Chuck. I can take Chuck being a manipulative, jealous jerk.
0: But I would like to keep Howard as a bad guy, too. I think there will be pl- if Breaking Bad is any indication, I think there will be plenty of good villains in our future. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant stroke to turn Hamlin on a dime like that. Yeah. I In our minds.
1: Honestly, I I like it when they can catch me with a little bit of
0: audience judo, you know. Now, and, I and will say going it into or- it. I, yeah. I, I was definitely thinking, man, Hamlin's going to be a villain for a long time to come. Sure. He's going to fuck over this case, uh, screw Jimmy yeah. on it, and steal it from him, and Jimmy's going to try to get revenge. I was thinking all those things, and I was thinking how great they'd be. Yeah. But ultimately, I really like what they did with it. Mm-hmm. It certainly complicates things between Chuck and Jimmy, which
1: I like complicated things. Yeah. Uh, Chris A. said, I have a slightly different take on Charles. While I'm not excusing Chuck's actions, I wonder if the major turn back to his disdain for Jimmy came from the billboard incident. Chuck's initial burn came from his disdain for Jimmy's correspondence degree. However, I think Uh that by the time we start Better Call Saul, Chuck actually appreciates Jimmy for what he is, a low-rent public defender. (laughs) I think he truly appreciates all that Jimmy has done for him as a caretaker. I think he may have even been on his way to accepting Jimmy as a genuine lawyer. I want to pause here real quick with Chris and say that I actually think this is an interesting take because you can see uh, kind of every time Jimmy tells Chuck something in retrospect, there's this kind of like weighing in Chuck's mind. Like, do I think this is something that's good enough or or or, or what's the reverse of good enough? If this is bad low rent enough. No, not bad enough. But like, is this appropriate for his station in life? Oh, like being okay. a partner at my hmm. firm, though, you need to stay in your lane. But being a public defender, grinding cases out. Yeah, we need guys like we need legal janitors. That's something ju- elder yeah. law. That's an underserved thing That's a yeah, Jimmy, you can do elder law. It's when he tries to fly, like when he it gets is. a multimillion dollar case based on his mistake. You know, when he gets a yeah. law degree that's every bit as good as Chuck's. You know, as far as the you know what you can actually do, with <laughs> as far it. as the paper it's written on, yeah. Not saying the <laughs> University of America SMO is as good and all that stuff, but yeah, no. yeah. I I think there's a lot to that.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's right. I think it it is very different when you go back and you watch it because the Billboard thing mm-hmm. he's super concerned about, it and Jimmy knows it. Yeah. And Jimmy says, "Look, this is not slipping, Jimmy. This is not what it is. I, right. I that is not who I am anymore." But. Wondering whether or not Chuck buys that Mm -hmm. is totally valid.
1: So put a pin in our emotional, intellectual engagement and this layer, and Chris continues. Then comes the billboard incident. Jimmy uses an updated Slipping Jimmy routine to boost his business and to take a shot at Chuck's own firm. Mm -hmm. Jimmy even goes the lengths of covering it up from his brother because he knows Chuck will see it for it is. Sure, Chuck had to face his fears and his betrayal of Jimmy, but Jimmy's betrayal made Chuck have to face his fears first to retrieve his neighbor's paper and ultimately led, which ultimately led to his arrest and hospitalization. I'm by no means saying that Chuck has done the right thing here, but I'm simply wondering if this incident didn't lead to Chuck's belief that slipping Jimmy will never truly be gone. That's fair. That is fair. Um, The, 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 the. And I'm glad they threw in the fact that he fucked him out of a job at his law firm because if it hadn't been for that scene and making Hamlin go down there and crush him in his moment of very small triumph, Uh this would make Chuck seem almost entirely too reasonable. Because, yeah, the $20 million on the back of you pulling a Slipping Jimmy stunt, Mm -hmm. this is bullshit. (laughs) So I'm glad they put that in because it it does leave him a little bit more ambiguous.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody is totally righteous in this situation. Sure. They've all made mistakes, and they all continue to make mistakes. Yep.
1: Uh, David M. said, Jim, you said that you didn't have time to play the name game or didn't have to play the name game for Pimento um because it was too obvious sandwich yeah but mike calls it southern caviar (laughs) which is something cheap masquerading as something respectable which (laughs) is exactly what chuck thinks of jimmy i like that yeah it does describe jimmy in a way you you out name game this there david Mm -hmm. Uh, moving on to new stuff from uh, marco the finale ivan from winnipeg says great season i think we're seeing the makings of a classic to start, I like to note the return of the pig fucker. Perhaps <laughs> AMC is testing moral waters. All right, we'll have one naked woman tied to a tree with her organs hanging out on The Walking Dead. Better call Saul <laughs> gets two fucks a season. Uh, Do you think the AMC is trying to like look? They're looking at HBO and saying, "Why not us? Why not them?" Ten, I mean, there is yeah. nothing from only them afraid of the FCC doing something that they're not currently doing keeps them
0: from going full tits. <laughs> Full gore, full fucks. You're right. Can I just say that the arc of AMC as a network will have been very Walter White-like, very Walter White-like if they go to HBO standards.
1: Yeah, 10 years from now, I
0: want the-, the American movie classics the showing billigul- black and white films yeah. 24-7 <laughs> has turned into the HBO. Yeah. That w-
1: <laughs> what happens when the American movie classics channel turns into Scarface? <laughs> um yeah no that's 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 pretty funny there should be a documentary about that (laughs) it turns out it's all smoking ad execs and meth yep that's what that's what happens uh he continues ivan does i love the finale the return of slipping jimmy was entertaining as all hell i would have loved the bottle episode with jimmy and marco just watching their little cons fully unfold great idea for some minisodes I would not would mind out. seeing a webisode, like, five minutes each of them, like, kind of like the Kennedy scam for every one of these things. That'd be cool. I would, that would really get me Jones for season two. Uh, also, it could have been interesting if maybe he and Marco got in some trouble with one of their scams, forcing Jimmy to use his law experience to get him out of a local jam in a really greasy way. After his victory, he realizes his destiny being the lawyer for guilty people. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that it's a missed opportunity. You know, kind of like your bingo thing, because, you know... uh, It was already so good. Not sure if I want a Monday or Tuesday morning uh, showrunner, uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter fucking Gould. Yeah. But that's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. That was a very cool idea. Uh, I think next season we'll see the caterpillar that is Jimmy McGill or James McGill, Esquire, emerge as a beautiful Saul Goodman butterfly. Yeah. I think we're also going to see Mike do progressively nastier jobs, which will undoubtedly be done in the most badass way possible. I'm very optimistic about what we'll see next season and very curious about what Jimmy's first move as Saul Goodman might be. Hmm. Uh, Another interesting thing I picked up in one of the Gould interviews is that uh, he believes that Mike is not ready for Gus. He said just as his opinion is Jimmy's not ready to fully embrace Saul, Mike, sure, he murdered two cops, but that was vengeance for his broken boy. Sure, Hmm. he's... You know, backed up a, a a low stakes drug deal armed with only a pimento sandwich. But he's a ways away from putting little kids in barrels. You know, that sounds right to yeah. me. So uh Mike H on second viewing, I recognized uh, this is a theory that I wasn't going to read. But then we I'm like, you know, we should go listen and check it out. And. Uh, well, we'll let, we'll let Jim do the commentary after I get done reading it. Mike H on second viewing. I thought I recognized Brian Cranston's voice for a brief moment as a man named Manny Hollinger, mm-hmm. leaving the last message on Jimmy's phone as he went through his voicemail and the scene waking up in Marco's apartment. Go back and hear it for yourself.
0: Uh, yes, Mr. McGill. This is Manny Hollinger. Is against,
1: uh, hate- What's your take on this? Cause we, we listened to this several times.
0: My take is that it's not Brian Cranston. Uh, it does sound quite a bit like him, uh, but at the same time, I won't say I'm sure of that. Uh, I would If I was a Mythbuster, I'd mark this as plausible. Yes, and, and the coughing masks it a lot. Because the I, key thing is, I could see them doing
1: this.: Everything I know about Vince, Peter, and Brian tells yeah. me that this is a slam dunk. Brian, can we get you to call in and leave a message? Yeah. Absolutely, yes. And it's it not would like be- they
0: need him on set on set or anything. It's just like, call my phone yes. and leave me a voicemail as Manny yes. Hollinger.
1: Yes, and it's the, it's the kind of cool kind of fan service that's at an Easter egg. The only thing yeah. against it is in this internet day, hmm. I'm predisposed to not believe something. 48 hours after it aired, I feel like I should go on the internet and search. Did yeah. Brian Cranston leave a voicemail message on... Uh, Marco and get hits from something yeah. that that the people knows, but maybe maybe Mike, you're the first. Could be in which case you get you're, you're you're eligible for all the internet points. Bill from New Jersey says I really dug the finale. Might not have been the emotional high point of the series, which he would give the pimento or five o. What what gets it for you? Pimento or five o? Man, pimento.
0: I, like Mike's episode and, and that, was good, but I would Pimento. never
1: never believe me if you'd have just laid out the the, the plot line for Pimento because I didn't think I didn't think Bob had it in him. But I kinda think so too. Yeah. As good as Mike's was, Pimento was just a hair better for me. Because you also got a good also it helped that you got a pretty good helping of Mike in that episode too. You did. You definitely Whereas did 5-0 and five O was funny all, scenes
0: and stuff like that. I mean, five O wasn't funny at all well was, you had the this
1: this coffee yeah you're right no it wasn't really funny
0: almost nothing funny in that episode it was mm-hmm. very drama heavy um it was very dark very dreary dreary and like i said i i don't know i i do a expect that to sunshine. be
1: a kind of controversial opinion i i feel like that the, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if 50-50 of the fans or even 75-25 like five o better because it is a grittier more breaking bad episode of better call Saul. mm-hmm Anyway, uh, but this finale def- definitely sets up Jimmy for a major turn towards being a criminal, a lawyer in season two. My only complaint was Marco's heart attack. It felt a little fish nato 737 down to me.
0: Too convenient and too easy. What did you guys think? They laid the groundwork in the, the scene where Jimmy comes back. Uh, he's got a little cough. And I knew something was up there. And he just seems like he's a guy who spent the last 10 years just abusing his body.
1: Sure. <laughs> the desperation uh-huh. and the emotional duress that he showed at the thought of Jimmy leaving and yeah. knowing that this is the last time he could ever. I yeah, I mean, I feel like I can speak with some authority on the fish NATO aspect of, of scenes, uh-huh. but it, it, it didn't even trip my fish NATO sensor. Okay. But I could have been, uh, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it didn't trip it for me.
0: You know, you you put an obese man on the screen and I believe a heart attack at any moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it might be a coincidental. uh, We need this heart attack to happen now sort of thing. Sure. But a heart attack could happen to a man like that at any moment. Yeah. Now, if if Fargo had
1: set up that there is like a giant fish hatchery. (laughs) <laughs> a mile down the road and there's tornado warnings. Uh, and on the radio, yeah. There you know. go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I'm, that's all I need. <laughs> that's all I need. Uh, <laughs> Jack K says, when Jimmy gets to Cicero, he tells Marco that while he is there, he wants to get a hot dog at Henry's. Well, here, sir, is a pic of the place just a few blocks from my office. He sends in a picture of the real Henry's where you can get presumably a hot dog. Nice. It's good to see that unlike Walking Dead, the writers know their locale. Even the basement was spot on. My only bitch is the old style uh, old style beer at the place. Uh, because apparently in Cicero, all you can get is a Miller or Bud Light. <laughs> Um, I think that this is 100% attributable to Bob Odenkirk because he is from this area and he is bringing that local flavor for you. It's just a damn shame they couldn't get a day or two to shoot actually at this location. It's kind of like, you know, what they do with ABQ. Um, since Cicero is a a big part of the plot in this season, I wish they could have gotten a week to shoot some scenes there. That would have been really cool.
0: Man, I'm still not sure that they're not in Chicago him yelling about I, like LaSalle yeah I mean LaSalle is such a major street it in Chicago
1: sure but I'm at this point I don't know that there's a distinction now that I've seen the geography like that's like saying fountain. I, I don't know how like, that's far like LaSalle saying, goes. I'm not sure this happened in Fountain Square I think it was Indianapolis like okay
0: Do, yeah <laughs> I'm just wondering if LaSalle goes to Cicero I mean LaSalle is definitely a major thoroughfare but it's well it, mostly associated I don't with downtown get, yeah i don't want to spend too much time dwelling stuff. because i'm feeling yeah, more, and more lazy
1: not just going to google maps and figure it out
0: uh there is no sherman street though i mean okay you might be able to go to cicero and say oh there's no lasalle street and if that's the case then hmm. it must be chicago but wh- whatever ultimately it doesn't matter right i yeah that's Where the only are.
1: reason i haven't looked it up because i just don't give a shit <laughs> okay uh alex c found the death of marco lacking let's face it Marco was not a good dude. By his own admission, he was only ever happy when he's ripping someone off. I'm sure Jimmy loved him, but as an audience member, it was tough to care. In fact, I can honestly say every single death on Breaking Bad hit me harder than Marco. Uh, what mm. do you think, When he actually helpfully clicked on a YouTube, or give me a YouTube clip that has every single death in Breaking Bad.
0: Yeah. Here's here's the one flaw I see, and and something that I think we have to point out, or we would be hypocrites a little bit. Mm. Uh they only really develop Marco as a character during the episode where they kill him. That is something that we give Walking Dead uh, a lot of shits for. Yeah. A lot of shit. Uh, I felt that watching this episode, that but maybe th- it didn't have the effect, the punch that it needed to have, especially coming off of Pimento last week.
1: Well... With
0: a much bigger punch.
1: I agree. My only question is, Did do you think that the the ghoul and the villi- villigan really wanted us to feel an emotional punch at Marco. Because to me, Marco's death was a a pivot point to move, uh you know, Jimmy closer to Saul. And it, I didn't. It is. Like, I, I I guess.
0: um I feel like they should have maybe flip-flopped those, though. Because, like, hmm. I, I don't buy that if his brother wasn't enough to push him over the edge, the death of Marco would have been. Because I haven't seen enough. Of their relationship, I guess. I mean, I know they were buddies and scamming together and stuff, but their the connection to Chuck must have been far greater than his connection to Marco. And so for that to be kind of the thing that finally pushes him over the edge to be Saul doesn't feel right to me. It feels like you should have done those in reverse order.
1: Well, it makes it uh, I I feel like Jimmy's struggling with Chuck's betrayal going into better calls, going into Saul from that point would seem more like a negative reaction. It's more of something driven by the desire to like, I'll show you. Yeah. Whereas doing it because as a result of the death of Marco makes it feel more like an affirmative decision to do that. Okay. I Um, I can buy that. You know, again, it's like a very slight distinction and there's certainly elements of vengeance and I'll show you in that final scene, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's that's the way it worked for me anyway. And I, I, I never felt anything for Marco other than, you know, oh, poor guy, and well, Jimmy's affected. but I And I never suspected I was supposed to, like, yeah. feel a punch in the gut. Like, presumably, you're supposed to feel when a major character on The Walking Dead dies.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh,
1: Matthew C., an expat living in the UK, says, Is it just me, or did you guys think Jimmy was going to walk into the meeting with Davis in Maine and meet the guy he and Marco con?" back in the bar out of $110. (laughs) It'd be a crazy coincidence, Mm. but I would thought it would be good as if the universe was against Jimmy's hope to go straight there again. Don't want a Tuesday morning quarterback, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's, that would have been also a a really cool idea. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I like it. The only thing I could see them wrestling in the writer's room with like Nacho coming out of the shadows or you motherfucker, you ran the scam on me Mm. is it kind of takes the agency out of Jimmy. Yeah. And I feel like the the story they want to tell is a man and 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 how he makes decisions in the face of adversity or lack thereof.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that always drove Breaking Bad too, right? The decisions that Walt was consciously making to yeah. to a point. I mean, some things happened to him, sure, that he But had most to do. of the things he did to himself. Yeah. And I and and it caused the things that happened to him. So Yeah, and that's that's a good I point. I like that formula.
1: Like in the in the season 1, he was kind of yeah. He made decision to cook meth, but a lot of the blood on his hands he was forced. They were acts of self defense. Sure. Season two, that line started getting really blurred, uh, leading to the yeah, climax. Stay out of, of my season. territory, like yeah. That's him making a conscious decision there. And then by the time you get Gale, it's like wow. So yeah. uh, moving on, Andrew B from Texas. While it's well documented that smoke on the water is about a fire at Frank Zappa's uh, Frank Zappa concert, which displaced Deep purse Purple. While recording an album in Switzerland, that it's well documented, but I had no idea about any of this stuff. Sure. But in true villigan fashion, there are several lines that seem to reference Jimmy's current and future circumstances as we end the season finale, and he has gone over to the dark side. Uh he then quotes uh Deep Purple thusly. Frank Zappa in the Mothers were at the base best place around, but some stupid with a flare gun burned the place to the ground. He parenthetically translates, this is Jimmy skipping the meeting and effectively ending his pursuit of a clean-cut life and his brother's approval. He's burning that bridge. Mm. When it was all over, we had to find another place. We ended up at the Grand Hotel. It was empty, cold, and bare. Uh, Again, he translates, his future building of the highly successful law office of criminal attorney Saul Goodman. But as we see in Breaking Bad, he is alone without Kim or Chuck in his life any longer. We made a place to sweat no matter what we can get out of this. I know we'll never forget the eventual demise of his practice and subsequent going into hiding. And as seen in episode one, despite his what his life has become in Omaha, he still reminisces about and pines for his glory days as Saul Goodman. What do you think? Is a little too color
0: theory for you or it's yeah, it's a, a little too reachy for me. All right. I appreciate uh, uh, this coming from
1: the dead man's brew.
2: Yes. Low blow. Yes.
1: I appreciate I appreciate your textual analysis, Andrew, and okay. thank you for your email. Finally, a little uh, fun note for the listeners. Uh, Rachel B. said, I couldn't believe that Mike's daughter-in-law is played by the crazy Irish lady who tried to feed Rick Grimes to her walker husband in the woods near the prison. We have verified I find it hard to believe myself. We have verified it. It is played by the same actress. Yeah. Yeah. A, who yeah. I just shut the tab down, and I don't know what it, her name is. Her
0: her name is uh, Carrie Condon. There you go. And it's hard to tell with all the gunk on her in mm. that episode. But yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, she looks
1: as as much as a zombie as she actually does. Eventually, as a zombie.
0: Yeah. But good good
1: work working your way up the AMC ladder from uh, uh, <laughs> name zombie woman whose name I didn't remember to Stacy the Mandra It's a big step up. Sure. Uh, finally, we got some wrap up thoughts. Okay. You ready? This is I'm for ready. the season as a whole. Joe E says this team is a collection of master storytellers. Little things like bringing back the smoke on the water hum, the dented trash can, the pinky ring, and they do it without any shocking death or twist endings. Better Call Saul will never be the best ever like Breaking Bad and isn't as high stakes, but this enables us to appreciate the writer's narrative
0: craft even more. I couldn't agree more. I think these guys are great at what they do sure and you know it I think that's what it takes to make the type of television that Breaking Bad is and to take what I felt was not a super good premise with Better Call Saul and make it into something that is not only watchable but very very good
1: no the first season if it did anything and it did a lot of things it showed that you cannot put the show into a box whatever your expectations are you can't say it's just going to be one thing or just the other. Oh, well, they can't do this storyline because I feel like the talent that they have, they could do about anything. It seems like it. Do you think, do you two think that it's originally Chuck, who tried to make Jimmy change his law firm name in the first place, we never saw Howard get upset about it until the billboard went up? It might be. I think it's 100%. That yeah. It had to come like, oh God, we really need this guy to change his name. I'm personally embarrassed.
0: Yeah. If, if he doesn't want him associated with the law, he doesn't want him associated with his take. name, either. Exactly.
1: Was it really feasible to do all those scams in one week? Answer Who cares? It was a fun scene. <laughs> do you? I, yeah. I, I,
0: I have no problem with it. I
1: forgot to ask you, what did you think? Did you think that went on too long? Because I loved it. I thought oh, it was the, stylish.
0: The scamtage. And visually interesting. And it felt like something the Cohen brothers would do, honestly. Yeah. To me. I, I don't know if that's just I have the Big Lebowski in my head because this guy looks like that private it detective. Did have a lot of little, you know, kind of like the fantastical
1: elements of little. Or Big Lebowski into it. Yeah,
0: and the music they're using is, I don't know, Cohen-esque. And uh, Yeah, I I didn't... The first time I watched it, I thought, man, this is going on a while. I don't know if I like this. Mm-hmm. Second time through, it went much quicker. Hmm. But I was taking notes, so maybe that was part of it. Mm. Uh, my my overall impression, after having seen it three times, actually, is it didn't go on too long. Okay. That's
1: probably the... I find that to be the most accurate. Because like, I find myself... When I'm watching things, I'm predisposed to kind of be on guard for. Like my guard goes up and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know about this. But then when I watch it again, I know it's coming. So my guard's a little bit relaxed. Like, yeah, that's all. That's fine. Yeah. Or sometimes it's like, no, no, that's totally horseshit. <laughs> uh, lastly, I love this uh, first season overall. I like the first two episodes when they came out. I just rewatched them and I'm coming around to Jim's opinion, though. I think most of us saw the potential of the two part pilot and looked past the flaws and celebrated when they turned a the corner. Those twins are unwatchable, and Tuco is out of place. The last date had been amazing, but Jim is right, and parentheses don't tell Jim. Well, Jesus, shit, it's too late now. Well,
0: now I'm just my head's inflating;
1: can't and... fit out the studio door. No, I I suspected that's true, but I feel like it's going to be rough rewatching those first two episodes, knowing what is coming.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I I don't think the first one is all that bad. I think it's the second one where they really just kind of. Mm-hmm. Don't hit the notes that they should have hit fast enough.
1: I understand why they did it. I just feel like it's again, it's going to be a weak, weak rewatch in a way that those first couple
0: don't compare, I think, to the rest of the season. You know, we've
1: just rewatched the first two seasons of Breaking Bad within recent memory, and none of those episodes at all did I feel like, oh, wow, this was the stinker. Like, no. You know, you watch season one of Star Trek Next Generation is kind of like through <laughs> you're, you're like watching a horror show through lace fingers like, oh, God, this is terrible. Yeah, I cannot believe what I'm watching. You just get me to season two. <laughs> None of those. But I feel like some of that stuff with Tuco, as much as I like Raymond Cruz, as much as I like that character, they it's the only time where I felt like they really gave in to just masturbation.
0: It felt forced. It yeah. really did.
1: Uh, Liz G says in his review of Better Better Call Saul episode Marco, Seppenwall said Better Call Saul was in many ways better or at least more consistent than the first year of Breaking Bad. Hmm. I wonder if Seppenwall's ever rewatched Breaking Bad. I recall you two reading his negative reviews during the rewatch podcast of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I do as well. I disagree with his comments and believe Breaking Bad packed a lot of show in the first and second season. I was repeatedly surprised by how much happened on early Breaking Bad episodes.
0: Yeah, that was my sentiment, too, having recapped those.
1: I'm amazed that um, he is saying that in many ways better or at least more consistent. Now, well, I want to say some of these thoughts for another email, but I, I don't know because I've noticed sometimes, and you and I both, I think, have noticed that when we're thinking back to early episodes of stuff that we didn't podcast or we didn't cover in a lot of detail, Yeah, that – we have a snapshot of a season that doesn't necessarily bear up like for many years we cited tell it to the frogs as the worst episode of <laughs> walking dead history when i when i whack and yeah. rewatched that season to research my book that episode is fine it had one line that sucks that it's happened the line, to be tell the, it to the frogs yeah but it's actually vatos which is the terrible episode sure. so you can get like these things these these you know, brain bugs in your own head and you're, you, you, you know, you remember that version rather than a true version. And I mean, Seppenwall could be, I think during this time, he was kind of like in between his last professional newspaper job and hit fix. He was doing his blog and trying to work the internet angle. It could be that that's kind of like, you know, because he didn't cover it as in depth and as seriously. Um, that he's got this image of season one breaking bad and, Oh, of course the writer's strike. And of course it got shut. And it, it mm. doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. Like if he went back and rewatched that first season, I mean,
0: you know, the other thing that I think makes seasons one, two and three of that show look kind of bad in comparison is seasons four and five being so excellent. But they're not. They do like I thought so too.
1: I thought we'd be in for some rough watches. But I
0: know. But that's what I'm saying. Like I, I don't think it's arguable that seasons four and five are the best of that show. Okay. Uh, so and by six. comparison, so, like yeah. you think, man, this show was so great in four and five, and uh-huh. well, I I count five as both halves of that. So whatever, oh whatever. Oh
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. My fault. Yeah.
0: Um. But but anyway, I by by comparison, they're not as good as four and five. Yes. But they're still. Excellent, and I think you forget that. Remembering like, oh, four and five are the seasons, man.
1: I'm just saying that I I saw when we look at those reviews, and we saw Seppenwall and uh, Ponty Wozniak and Mo Ryan. They're really tepid to negative reviews. Like, well, this Brian Cranston is amazing; it's a revelation. But man, <laughs> there's a lot of slow stuff. I just don't see it, and. I you know, that's their honest opinion and they're professionals, and I'm not saying they're they're wrong, but I also remember what I thought about the Breaking Bad pilot. And I remember kind of re watching it over the, the, the last summer and winter and how impressed I was. I just it's hard for me to believe. Um I, I just don't know what it's like to be a professional critic and plow through thirty, you know, premieres and pilots. that
0: can't be fun
1: yeah and like it, it was at the time of the day was it just like you know w- were they just coming off of watching soprano and then they got this and it's like oh this is weird it's amc what the fuck i don't <laughs> know but it's hard to explain and it's kind of i i'm just wondering if when seppenwall saying it's more consistent if he's just got this mental image of this truncated season that not everything worked and then really all cylinders fired in
0: season two i don't know I don't think Better Call Saul is that consistent. We've talked about episodes one and two. Yes. Um, No,
1: I don't think – I do not think you can say it's more consistent than season one of Breaking Bad.
0: No, I I agree with that. But – I don't think it's inconsistent. I just don't – I don't think it's as engaging um, right off the jump. Yeah. And – I, the the misfire there are no misfires in season one really there are no misfires in Breaking Bad period mm-hmm. other than maybe the end of season two yep I was gonna say I was uh, about to jump in there th- that's the one glaring flaw to me the glaring flaw in Better Call Saul so far is episodes one and two
1: so and even I will go so far as to say if you took out season if, if episode two didn't exist or was about twenty minutes shorter yeah. I think you can make a real argument that it is more consistent. Well, it's hard yeah, to say consistency, I, but it's as good of a launch point of this particular story and this particular season as Breaking Bad. Now,
0: yeah, does I'm it have fear. the
1: ceiling of Breaking Bad? That's an
0: interesting question. It, might's it's an entirely different question.
1: Because like yeah. as 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 good as you might say that um uh Frasier was, I don't think anyone argues that it's better than Cheers. I certainly would never argue that. Uh, You're know, probably too young I, for both of them.
0: I, yeah, I've never seen either of those. Like, legitimately, down not watched them. Right. I've seen one-offs of of several of them. Right. Um, I I think Eric, the the personal arrogance host uh-huh. Eric, is an exception to that. I think he well, likes. If you live in Frazier, Seattle, sure. Be, yeah, because he lives in Seattle, and that was closer to his generation. Yeah, like
1: end. I love Parks and Rec, not only because it's excellent, but because it's set in Indiana, and I feel yeah, a visceral yeah. thrill of of seeing small town Indiana life. Sure. you know parody and and kind of um you know in an, an affectionate way so yeah um talked a lot about that i i i just don't know what the ceiling for breaking bad is and that's not bad like you know just like Frazier's not a terrible show it just wasn't as good and groundbreaking and and as good a comedy as perfect a, and crafted a comedy as, as cheers was Bear from the UK said, we were all perplexed, or as I like to say, uplexed, mm-hmm. when the early preseason reviews claimed that Better Call Saul was better than Breaking Bad, but now we've seen the show to be excellent, and I think we all have to genuinely discuss if it is in the same league. We kind of started it already, my question's for you. One, if you treat this as Breaking Bad sequel and look at it as a pure fan of the Breaking Bad universe, was this better than season one of Breaking Bad?
0: My answer is no breaking bad season two or season three no well i think there were more fundamentally interesting things in season one of breaking bad like a man who has cancer not long to live uh has a family to provide for and decides to turn to a life of crime for that is a fundamentally more interesting hook to me personally
1: yeah knowing where yeah yeah I think season two is a more interesting comparison because I do think there is a huge flaw in season two, and it's a structural, it's a it's a structural fundamental be, you know yeah problem. It's not like a pacing issue, but and I can Here's make a, I can say. make an argument, but I couldn't really say that the straight face. Season two Breaking Bad is pretty phenomenal all the way up, up to the. the,
0: yeah. the the payoff of the black and white pink teddy bear scenes. Let me say this for Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. I think that Better Call Saul in a good way takes a little more time to unfold its story and its premise. Um with Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad is the whole plot is thrust down your throat immediately. Mm-hmm. Man with cancer, man with family turns to life of crime. And then, yeah, the, a, lot of, the a lot of miles are
1: covered in the first goddamn episode. They are,
0: they are. And then the, the subsequent episodes in that season become what are the antics that he gets sure. up to as he gets deeper into this life of crime. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think in Better Call Saul, it builds a little more slowly. Mm-hmm. It, it, it lets the, the frog boil in the water a little bit longer um, until you get to episode nine and then you discover what this show is really about. I do think that Better Call Saul feels a bit more confident. Because, I, think so
1: too. I mean, I, that makes sense. You know, yeah. uh, Vince Gilligan did have a writer's strike that he's staring down. He did have to cut the season. Uh, he didn't know whether there would be a ratings phenomenon or any kind of success. Mm-hmm. In, and pretty much all through the first three seasons of Breaking Bad, whereas Better Call Saul, I think, yeah, he didn't know what it was going to But I, I suspect that he and Gould thought like, you know, if we do a good job on this, we're going to get we're going to find an audience yes I, it would be hard not
0: to yeah given break i'm sure they
1: were nervous but i didn't get much in the way of nerves from them at preseason or maybe it's because they're both rich and successful and there's nothing at this <laughs> it point doesn't really matter
0: the stakes are lower you know it's like every time he thinks like
1: oh what if i fuck this up he goes and looks at m night Shyamalan's career, and like nah i'll get at least six or seven other <laughs> foul balls and strikeouts before
0: i'm out of work in in, in hollywood uh so so that is all to say I think season one of both of these shows is different, although I enjoy Breaking Bad slightly more. Uh, Point two
1: from Barry from the UK. If you look at this as someone who has never seen Breaking Bad, does it still hold up? And I want to stop there because we have some emails, coincidentally, Mm. to answer that very question. Okay. And three, how compelling a character and actor is Jimmy slash Bob Odenkirk compared to Walter White? And this, Ooh. and he says, I don't know the answers, but my feeling is they're in the same ballpark and these early reviews now hold a lot of weight. I think it's interesting that those early reviews were based on some of the weaker material, and I think yeah. there was a little bit of overheating on that stuff, but uh, Jimmy,
0: better than Walter White, Bob Odenkirk, better than Brian Cranston. How about they're both incredible at what they do, which is very different.
1: And how about the fact that you can say they're in the same ballpark is nothing I would have suspected before the season. <laughs> yeah. Like I I knew Bob could do Saul really, really well. I mm. did not suspect some of the stuff he pulls off in Pimento.
0: He yeah, honestly he's I good. I, I don't know like I, I still didn't choose. know Jonathan Banks could pull off what we saw in five O. Yeah, that's true. He he didn't have what looked like a ton of range in Breaking Bad. Um but I I still give the nod to, to Brian Cranston. We've but we've seen a lot more sure. from him, right? We've and seen five given, seasons again. like he's
1: been given the material that like exactly. better call Saul can't even sniff yet.
0: Yeah. And I I mean if I were to put Brian Cranston, you know, in my imagination into the scenes that Bob Odenkirk got in this first season, um I don't think he's as funny, but I think he's better on the drama end. Slightly. Slightly. Hard to say, cuz man, Brian Cranston can be funny. He in can a be a different way. It, it is in a different way. It's not the sleazy kind of way. It's more the silly, uh, more irreverent sort of way. Yeah, because even when he played that like Pawn Stars
1: parody for yeah. like the Oscars or the Emmys, it was a very much tongue in cheek parody of yeah. that.
0: Oh yeah. So but, but Bob Odenkirk brings a lot of the same drama qualities, sure. but his comedy is just spot on because that is what he does. Sure. Yeah. And he's great at it. And I think that's another thing I got from the interviews is that the
1: last two two episodes are in, were way different than they envisioned it because when they saw what Bob could do, hmm. they're like, "Oh well, hell, we need to we need to turn up the heat." So I will say that it's a huge compliment to say that we can have this conversation with a straight face. Yeah. Because there's another universe where I could be like, this is a great show, but just calm the fuck down. Calm the fuck down. Just, back have, it, just
0: have it be a comedy and let's just yeah, move on. Yeah, let's not. But the fact that we're... This
1: experiment
0: went wrong a long
1: time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that we're having this conversation is is kind of impressive, honestly. Definitely. Uh, so, Jesse Y goes into answering the second question here. I've been watching Better Call Saul with my husband, who has only seen season one of Breaking Bad and thus has no introduction to Saul or Mike. Hmm. He loves the show and the Villa gang has done such a great job of fleshing out the characters without relying on knowledge of their futures that he rarely has questions for me. He doesn't yell out Tuco when he first appears, <laughs> but we're both excited to see Nacho from another great show y'all should watch *Orphan Black. We both got a kick out of the Saul Goodman early on and his favorite character is Mike, as is mine. Mike's bad assery came as more of a surprise to him. Though, of course, I tried to explain a little during the first few Toll Booth episodes – but I think it made it more fun not knowing just how awesome he would become. I think Better Call Saul is more approachable for people who don't like the tone, if that's even the right word. Of Breaking Bad, <laughs> we binge watched the first season together on Netflix, and I think right before season three started, but we were just so depressed after every episode that we decided to not go to season two immediately, yeah. and that turned into never. Better Call Saul definitely had more humor, and for some people, it's just more fun to watch if you don't want to want don't want your heart in your throat the whole time parenthetically she says we have americans for that a show that i tapped out on (laughs) so different strokes for different folks i get it i mean that description makes sense uh jesse says i think i cut out a part where she says that she at the start of season five did manage to go through stands her husband and finish breaking bad Ah. she goes i don't think it's at the level breaking bad yet but i don't think that's a prerequisite for enjoying the show here here you're right here here Uh, Clayton from Battle Creek, Michigan. I've never watched a single episode of Breaking Bad, but I've been with Better Call Saul for the whole series. I've always wanted to get into Breaking Bad, but I just can't seem to find the time. I love everything about the series, and all it does is make me want to watch Breaking Bad even more. Uh, Well, that's that's a great mission objective for this show.
0: It's it's making me wonder what Breaking Bad looks like as a second show to Better Call Saul. Like, we kind of discussed, you know, does... Better Call Saul work without having seen Breaking Bad, but does Breaking Bad work after having seen Better Call Saul is going to be interesting? The
1: the eternal debate about whether if you wanted to acknowledge the prequel trilogy at all, if you're like, you know, in the shoes I'm in, you got an impressionable young adult or young, yeah, young person, do you show them the original trilogy first do you show them prequel trilogy? Then a real original trilogy? Do you do the? Do you never show them the prequels? <laughs> do you do the controversial one four five uh, two three six? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically an extended flashback. Um, do you pretend they don't exist? Like I don't think that's an option because this thing doesn't suck. But yeah, that I like those kind
0: of debates. I, I don't think we'll know until the run of Better Call Saul no. is over. But it's an interesting question. I, I like having those kind of. I like debating that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Um. And I think it's I think it's fun. He s- continues. I love everything about this series. And oh wait, I already said that. Uh, There's so many good things. I've heard so many good things about Breaking Bad, and I figured I should get it get it get in on the ground floor of this series. It's kind of nice to see the backstories of these characters without knowing what they become. I didn't think that Mike disassembling the gun in the Pimento episode was unrealistic at all for someone who used to be a police officer and maybe even had more military in his background. Yes, he has a dexterity of steel, so to speak, but if you're familiar with the gun, it's not overly inconceivable that would work. I didn't have a problem with him field stripping the gun, Batman style. how fast he swipes it. and And just the fact that he would, you know, this old guy could go up to these guys and completely intimidate them. I, I question whether that would be believable without as a non-cause it's not like Mike viewer. kicks in a door and like like, oh my god, what a badass he is. Yeah. But I mean, you know, here's a guy who has never seen the series mm-hmm. and he didn't have a problem with it. Okay. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. That's the last email, and this is why I feel like we don't need a wrap up. That was it felt like a really good series wrap up.
0: I think so. Uh I've I've talked about basically everything that I would care to talk about yeah. going forward. I think they've set it up super nicely for season two. I think there's a lot of tension there. Yes. That um, there's a lot of promise if you look at Jimmy turning into Saul as a promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot still to come. A lot of stuff with Mike that I think we're going to get to eventually. That yeah. Seems both fun and interesting.
1: And please do send, continue to send in your thoughts and predictions for next season to Better Cast Saul while they're fresh in your mind. because Better Cast Saul at baldmove.com because what I like to do when I'm doing a preview cast which I'm yeah. morally certain we will do for breaking for better call Saul yeah. is like I go back uh, I put a filter on and go back all the way and like get interesting nuggets from the previous so we can you know cuz it's it's always hard coming out of the preview when you haven't seen the thing for 8 months and and having oh, yeah. that uh people's fresh thoughts on it is really makes for an interesting preview so no Agreed. new podcast until next season but don't feel shy about Sitting that stuff and talking about in the forums because we'll still be probably uh, debating some of these things. I imagine this will be kind of a lively topic in the forums about, you know, where it ranks against.
0: I think so. Yeah. Breaking bad. Uh, it, I'm sure I probably haven't said the last I want to say about it. And sure. I'm certain our audience hasn't. So yeah. yeah, the forums are a great place to, to go talk about that. I so that forums mm-hmm.
1: And if you are depressed, that better call saw is over and you're looking for something to occupy your time. We've got a lot of great content. We've come off with, dun, I think, I think we've, this is the most content we pushed out in a given time frame, like any two months. I think it's a world record. It, it has been certainly our busiest season. Uh, we you know we had the wa- last of The Walking Dead season five. We had Justified season six that's wrapping up. We just got done Better Call Saul. We got House of Cards in there. Uh, A few episodes of the Americans, Mm -hmm. we're starting Mad Men Game of Thrones, which are monsters. We're going to be starting uh, getting back on our commission podcast. Lots of stuff going on at Bald Move later on in the year. There's going to be a lot of other cool stuff. If you like this kind of quality drama uh, that we'll be covering, the best way to stay in touch with all that is. Uh, you know, check us out on baldmove.com. Specifically, you can follow, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash baldmove. Follow Jim on Twitter at baldmove because the handy thing is it's automatic. As soon as we post an article, uh, it gets copied out through that. So you'll see. You can kind of uh, keep yeah. your keep your finger on the pulse of what we're doing. I'm sure something we do will be interesting to you.
0: Yeah, we cover a lot of movies in the off-season. Those sure. commission casts are almost exclusively movies. And, Seems like it. And pretty big ones, too. Ones that you've almost certainly seen. Yeah. So Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us through this season. Um, the other thing I guess you could do if you really want to get in the spirit is go leave us an iTunes review. Uh, bump us up oh, there yeah, one, would be one nice. last time. That would be nice. Maybe give some of your fellow fans a little... Uh, opportunity to see us on the charts there. Yeah, get us uh, get us prime for next season too. Yeah, that's super easy to do. Takes a few seconds. Really helps us out. Uh, so that's it, and that's it. Well, I, I'm kind of I don't want to let go of the Better Call Saul podcast, but got to be done. It's
1: it's time to leave the troll booth.
0: All right. Hopefully with our uh, parking paid. <laughs> I've got all the stamps, so we're we're good. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next year. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.